0: With me in Colossians, Colossians chapter one. Good to see all of you tonight. Colossians chapter one. Look with me at verse number verse number one. Hup, thank you, Pastor. I forgot it, Sister Ruth. All right, where's the ushers at? I know it. I talked too much when I when I had it on my mind. All right. Father, we bless you tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be here one more time. Bless this offering we're about to receive, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, while they're, while they're taking that up, I hope you've already turned to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We want to look at the first eight, eight verses in this book. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, We give thanks to God and to the, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of the saints. I want you to notice this, and I'll probably say this in a little bit, but Paul at this time had not been here yet, but he had just heard of their love for God. He had heard of their love for the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit who declare to us your love in the Spirit. In other words, this guy here is telling Paul all about the people there in Colossae. So we're going to look at this tonight. Now, we, we just wanna, I just want to title this just being thankful, and that's, that's probably the title that we'll use all throughout. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk four or five weeks here on thankfulness uh, as we lead up, as was said, to the, uh, to the Thanksgiving holidays. Uh, of course, Thanksgiving always puts us in a mindset, I guess, to be thankful. Um, you know, because of all the talk that's going on, because of the pictures that we see, because of family, because of dinners and all of those kind of things that we're able to, we're able to get uh, along with one another and, and we're able to share with one another so we're able to be thankful. Maybe, maybe because family has come in and maybe because of, of just some good things that's maybe happened to us over the year and we're able to share with. Sometimes I, I do believe that we can go overboard by being thankful. Does anybody else believe that? Some of you scared to answer, right? Be, answer yes or no. That's right. Marilyn says no. You you can't go overboard. Somebody says no. What what did you say, Brother Adam? I think you said yes. You can't go overboard. Now, that, and I figured we'd get a sort of a mixed thing on it. This is what I mean by that. <clears throat> a lot of times, uh, let me let me put it this way. You know, a lot a lot of times when we say, "Well, I love that," or "I love that," or "I love that," or "I love you," I love those shoes you're wearing. I wouldn't wear them, but I love those shoes you're wearing. I love your hair, Brother Parker. You got it going on tonight. I love the the coat and all those you know, we, we use that term so often many times that sometimes we really don't stop and consider the language and the power of that word love when we use it in the in the in the in the Christian setting. Sometimes as far as being thankful, we can we can say things well i dad and we can be thankful for a lot of things. And there's many times I don't think that we use we don't use those things, um, that's not what I'm trying to say. We don't use we don't use those things that comes our way with people or, or material possessions or whatever. We're not thankful enough, I should say, sometimes. We begin to take for granted things that comes our way. We begin to take for granted at times those blessings that come our way. And you've heard me say this before, but so often, many, we, every one of us, we, every one of us are blessed tonight, aren't we? Every one of us should be thankful for tonight, tonight because of who we are in Christ Jesus. Every one of us should be thankful tonight. I, I watched a I watched a little video a few days ago about this little boy, you may have saw the video, about this little boy that was over in a third world country, and he walked from his house and he went down to this, this little little stream, Sister Jeanette, this little water area there that was that was by his house where they where they got their water for cooking, where they got their water for bathing, where they got their water for everything. And he and it was dirty, it was muddy, it was the the water was not clear. Nothing Nothing was, was appeasing looking at that water. But this little guy went over there and he knelt down, he laid down on his belly and began to drink that water because that was the only fresh water that he had. Now, you know as well as I know, if it was me and you over there and we would take a drink of that water, we would come back with something, some kind of bacteria or some kind of bug or some kind of something in our, in our stomach. We, you know we've, we've, we've done that before over in Honduras. You know, just don't drink the water, don't drink the water. And uh, because they do a lot of the sistering and stuff, and, but this little guy, he was thankful, and the caption was he was just thankful for what he had. Well, so often I think sometimes we take for granted those things that God has blessed us with. We're not we're not thankful enough. I, I, and what I mean by being going overboard, sometimes I think if if I, if I tell if I tell my wife or if I tell my my dad or if I tell my mom uh things well i i thank you i thank you for this i thank you for that i thank you for this i thank you for that thank you for this there's nothing wrong with me doing that but how many knows this 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 is just me now you, you you know those of you that don't think you can be thankful enough just keep your keep your opinion this ain't going to keep us in or out of heaven all right <laughs> all right so we're just we're just trying to draw a basis here a foundation sometimes it gets to be it gets to be monotonous it gets to be old are you really thankful for what I'm doing for you? Are you really thankful? Are you really being blessed? And I guess the reason I'm saying that is because every week, there's always people that comes in my office and needing help, always. And we help up many of them. I can't tell you how many. Matter of fact, there was one today that we have. There actually, all week long, we've done that. And you as a church, you, you, you're, you're, you do that from your gifts, your tithe, and your offerings, and all of that, a lot of that with benevolent programs and ministries, we're able to give. We give out of our pocket. When we was in Chattanooga, we was eating at a restaurant. And we come out of this, we come out of this restaurant, and over there by the bus, Dwayne will remember this, there was an older man sitting over there. And, and the first thing that came to my mind, he's going to want some money from me. Do I have any? Because <laughs> I knew. As soon as we walked over there, he said, Hey, can you help me with a meal? And I said, Well, what's the problem? He said, Well, I don't know how much this place that y'all just come out of, I don't know how much their lunch is but I know I can go down the street and for $2.25. I get me a sandwich, get me something to drink. I said, well, all right, well, let me see if I can get you $2.25. And I pulled out my billfold in front of him, which may or may not have been a mistake, I don't know. But I opened it up, Maryland, and I didn't have no $2.25. I only had two 20s. And so at that moment, standing in front of that guy, I got to say, okay, now, Lord, do I want to help this guy, or do I just want to leave him on the, on the street? So I just pulled out a 20 I said, I'm going to bless you today. I'm going to give you not only a sandwich for $2.25, but you can have multiple sandwiches for $2. I said, now, don't use this to go buy some, some, some alcohol. He said, oh, I'm not. And I looked down, and there was a bottle of alcohol right beside him. I said, well, what's this? Oh, I've had that all day. <laughs> I said, oh, that makes it better, I guess. <laughs> well, don't use this to go buy alcohol. So when he was leaving, he was going into the restaurant. So what I'm saying is, are we... Are we using that word thankful sometimes too much and it doesn't mean anything anything to us because the people that I help and we help as a church or even on the street, they'll say, thank you, pastor, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay this back. Many times they'll say that. I've not yet had one. I take that back. I've had one. That he was a man that moved to Florida. He got a hold of me. He sent money back exactly, exactly what I gave him. That's been one. Now, I'm not expecting them to give it back I'm just saying, are we saying those things because we, we think that's what somebody wants to hear? Paul here, when you, look in this, in the, when you look in this book, Paul gave a continual thanks to God in his prayers. Every time that he prayed, he gave a continual thanks to God. Matter of fact, it got to the place with the Apostle Paul that it was so natural that every time he prayed, he was thanking God for something. And in this case, he was thanking God for the church here in Colossians. This prayer burst into, a, into an over, overflow, if you will, of thankfulness. I give God thanks. We give God thanks to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. I'm thankful for you. And this thankfulness was because their lives demonstrated that God was at work in them, and Paul recognized that. He had listened to stories. He had, he had heard from his friends that had been there and visited this particular church. And he had listened of the things that they were doing and their love for God. And so when Paul had heard about their faith, when Paul not only heard about their faith but their growing faith in the Lord and their love for all the saints, he became thankful for them. He hadn't met them, he hadn't been there, but he had learned what they were, what they were up to, so to speak. And he had been, he become thankful for them. And when you look here in verses 1 through 8, you've got to keep in mind and look at the scriptures here. Really, verses 1 through 8 is is really one continual long sentence, if you will, of what Paul was saying in the Greek. that's, That's every part of it is held together by this term, thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Matter of fact, he's thankful for the Colossians. He's thankful for the gospel. And he's thankful for his friend, Epaphras, that he read about in the scripture. Why don't you look here with me real quick about being thankful for the Colossians? After, after this greeting here in verses 1 through, one through 2, 1 through 3, that, that Paul uh, basically offered here, he said, We give thanks to God, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray always for you. Thanksgiving, and I know you guys know this, but thanksgiving needs to be a part of every prayer that we pray. Every time that you get down to pray, you need to be thankful for something. What I need to be thankful for, Pastor? Well, you're able to pray, number one. I've got voice. I've got breath in my body. I can be thankful to God for that. I can get up every morning. I know that I'm breathing because I'm alive. I'm walking around. I'm doing the things that I normally do. So I ought to be thankful for what God has blessed me with. I want you to notice that Paul says, he says, I, I want to always give thanks. Always give thanks. That was his practice, so to speak. That was his habit so to speak. There are some folks that's not thankful folks. There's some folks that's selfish folks. They're not thankful for the things that God has blessed them with. But Paul says it needs to be a, a habit for you and I. Although, as I said, Paul never visited this city. What he heard about the believers, it caused him to rejoice. It caused him to respond by praying for God's continual blessing upon them. I want to pray for you always. I want to give thanks to God always. Always we want to give thanks to God. But not only was he thankful for the Colossians, he was also thankful for their salvation. You and I need to be thankful for our salvation as well, right? We didn't have to go to the cross. We didn't have to die on the cross. We didn't have to shed our blood. But Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. He looked down through time, Brother Adam, and he saw you and me. He saw us in our sin, and he knew that we needed a Redeemer. He knew that we needed a Savior. He knew that we needed somebody to pay the debt of sin that we had upon us. And so he went to the cross for us, and he bled, and he died. And so we have a reason to be thankful today for our salvation. Now, let me say this, and maybe you can understand what I'm trying to say. It's, it's, it's amazing to me at times that we live in a day. Let me back up a little bit. How many of you remember growing up in church, and the preacher would get up preaching on salvation, and when he would give the altar call, you'd grip the back of your pew because you, you knew you needed to be down there giving your heart to the Lord? whether you had backslid, whether you had went away from God, whether you just wasn't saved in the first place, you knew something on the inside was telling you, I've got I've to make a change, but, but the old enemy was holding you back. I, that's the kind of churches I grew up in. But we're, the problem that we have today, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen anymore, it does. But by and by, we, we are living in a culture today that we don't understand the thankfulness that we need to have for salvation. We don't get the concept anymore of Jesus dying for me. We don't, we don't understand that concept. We don't understand the concept of a man laying down his life, going through what the Lord went through on my behalf, for my behalf. And therefore, we're not, we're not prone to react or act because conviction is not in the house, number one, because we don't see the need in it, maybe whatever the case may be, but we, you and I that understand what salvation is all about, we understand that the price that was paid for our salvation, we understand the cost that was there. It may not have cost us anything, but it cost God everything. It cost Him everything. And in verses 4 and 8, Paul here, he talked about some reasons for thanksgiving. He talked about their faith. I'm thankful for your faith. He talked about their love. I'm thankful for your love. He talked about their hope. I'm thankful for your hope. These these virtues here, these, these three things are linked together in many other passages of Scripture. Their salvation is referred to many times as our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're commended and they're prayed for because they put their trust in the Lord. They put their trust in Christ. And it's amazing to me that their testimony of their faith, it reached all the way to Paul in a Roman prison. He had been there, but that story, that message reached to him. I wonder, I wonder if people in our neighborhood, I wonder if people in my neighborhood, I wonder if people in your neighborhood would commend us for the faith that we have. Do they talk about our faith? Is it something that they've heard about? Okay, we don't like, to, we don't like us talking about us, so let's put it this way. Hey, it, it, does people talk about our church and the faith of our church? and the love, maybe, of our church, and the hope of our church. Do they hear those positive things going out of the church? Sometimes I wonder. Yesterday, I went to this uh, life screening that, that was over at First Baptist Church. They come into town every so often, and they check your arteries, you know, and make sure your arteries is open and running. They, they check your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. So, so I went there. And I was laying there on this cot, and this, 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 this man that was checking my, my orders, he said, are you the pastor of this church? Because he saw my name down on the paper and said, no, sir. I said, I don't pastor this church, but I do pastor a church in town. He said, well, he said, I don't really mean to say this, but you know, he said, sometimes church folk can be a bad, can't they? I didn't know how to answer that. I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I go to a lot of churches. He said, we're in and out every weekend of churches, he said, and there's some folks that comes in that's, that's, a, that's members of the church that we're at. They act bad. I said, yes, sir, sometimes they do. And he kept on about, about the, the badness <laughs> of the church members. And I said, man, well, i got to get out of here. I said, look, every, all the church members is not bad. Everybody that serves Christ is not bad. But you do have those few. And he said, yeah, you have those few. he said, matter of fact, we have to tell some of them, don't even come back. Now, what kind of testimony is that? Are we being thankful <laughs> in every situation? Are we being thankful in every situation? As I was sitting there, as I was sitting there, I was filling out these papers, and this and the and the lady that checked us in, she had an empty chair in front of her, and there was, there was this man that had come in, and I don't know this man, so I, I, I can't tell you who it is. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay t- saying this. This man had come in, and he 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 was asked to to be seated over there. And this lady was going to going to going to get him in just a little bit while she finished the paperwork. Well, while she was finishing paperwork, this other lady come in, and she just automatically sat down, you know. And so the man said, "Hey, I was next." So I raised my head up, and I get I get tickled at this guy because of the impatience of this guy of you know he was not do anything. He'd already retired. He was that age, and so he didn't have nowhere to go. That I, I assumed anyway. He was just just moseying in. He said, hey, I was next. And so she said, yes, sir, I understand that, but all she needed to do is just pay. That's all she needs to do, just pay, and we're going to get you up here. He said, oh, okay. But but that that kind of situation happens all the time, all the time. And, and And I knew what I was speaking about tonight, and my thoughts said, Lord, are we thankful enough in every situation just to not worry about those little unnecessary things that, that maybe bother us in our life because it didn't matter. It didn't, it didn't make 60 seconds out of his life. But yet it was enough to stir him up a little bit. But we need to be thankful for the salvation. If we're thankful for the salvation in our life, we're going to understand the love of Christ that ought to come out. Amen? The love of Jesus ought to come out. And so this church here, Colossia, was characterized by these three things, about their faith and love and their hope. And we, un- we need to understand that these three things, faith and love and hope, at least those three things, needs to be a mark of any church. We need to have faith. We definitely need to have love. And we better have hope. <laughs> because if we don't have hope, we ain't got nothing, right? We gotta have hope. The author of Hebrews here tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. Amen. Without faith it's impossible to please God. And so then the church, we we gather together without believing that God is going to work. If we do that, we will not experience breakthrough. If we gather that way knowing ahead of time God is not going to do nothing, then we're not going to experience revival. If we gather that way every Sunday morning with, with not an expectation of God's mercy and God's blessing upon our life, I promise you we will leave every Sunday morning empty wondering why didn't God show up. But if we come with faith, with a faith believing, with faith knowing that without faith it's impossible to please God. So if I come into the house of God, Brother Adam, with faith, at least I'm I'm pleasing God. And if I please God with my faith, then it just may be that God may open up the windows of heaven that Sunday morning and pour down blessings I just can't contain. Amen? But we got to start it with faith. Matthew Henry said this. He said, faith opens the door. Of the soul to receive Christ. Faith admits him and submits to him. Faith is the door. Faith is the hinge on which the door swings. Faith is the key that unlocks the door. Faith is the impulse to open the door when the knock comes. Faith is the willingness to invite Jesus in. Faith impels surrender, which allows the Lord Jesus to become the master of the house. I think he summed it up pretty good by faith he does that the second thing here paul talked about is love we got to have we got to have love it, it it's the love that identifies who we are in christ jesus matter of fact i was sitting in that same same first baptist church and so when the lady asked me to go back she said take your shoes and socks off i just getting my arteries checked i don't know what they do on my feet but but i was sitting by an older gentleman and he looked over at me he said this floor is cold ain't it i said yes sir it's pretty cold and so we we had a conversation but we ought to, in talking with one another, we, we've got to understand that it's the love that we have for, for our Lord that makes us who we are as God's people, right? We have to show the love. John said this, by this, everybody's going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So love is the fruit. It's the fruit of faith. And it's the proof of a genuine faith that you have in Christ Jesus. First John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love God one another. Anyone who does not love remains in what's that word say? Anybody know? Remains is pretty hard. It remains in death. Think about that. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love one another. But anybody who does not love remains in death. Now I don't know about you but death, dead things is not going anywhere. Dead things is cold. Indifferent. Right? Dead things there's no growth to it. And so if we don't have love in our life, then there's no growth to us. There's no, there's no moving forward to us. We must, as God's people, have the love of Christ. Faith in Christ leads to love. You've got to have faith. You've got to have love. And so because of what Jesus done in their lives at Colossians and in our lives as well, we were able to, we were able to express love to, to, to each and every, every person. That love that we talk about is the agape love. It's an unconditional love. It's love, I love you because just because of who you are, not because of what you do for me. You love me, not because of what I can do for you, but who I am in Christ. You love your children unconditionally, right? You love them when they do good, you love them when they do bad. You may not like it, but you love them. Right? You love them. I've talked to mama and, you, and mamas and daddies, and you have too. When their kids has got straight away and drugs and all these kind of things and, and, and they have to go away, it doesn't mean they don't love them any less. It doesn't mean they don't love it's their child, it's the blood. And so they love them unconditionally. We're we're, we're the same way. It's a sacrifice as its key character here. It's displayed in actions that we do, how we love one another. Now, here's another thing. Going back to to people that you may help or I may help or whatever. Once you release that that material possession or money or or food or whatever and the love that, that goes with it, let's just say that they're conning you. And you find out about it. It's not going to set well with you, but what you've done still, you showed the love of Christ. Are you following me? You've done what you were supposed to do because you felt led to do that, and it's up to them. God has to deal with them. You're released from that. And so God God blesses us because of that, so we, we show the love because of that. So love is a transforming act because it's faith in motions. Galatians 5 and 6 says, "...for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value." The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. We've got to allow the faith to grow in us. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith, have we not? And we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith. We grow in our faith. As our faith grows, the love that we have grows as well. It grows. So the church was full of love here, at Paul was talking about. True faith produces love. Genuine faith in Christ It'll exhibit itself. It'll show itself in what we call that unconditional love for for perfecting those imperfect Christians, right? I mean, when you got saved, everything wasn't just exactly right all all at one time, right? God had to perfect you. He had to sanctify you. He He had to knock off some rough edges of your life. And so he continues to perfect us. He continues to help us. He continues to show us. He continues to, to just deal with us at times. You remember me talking to you Sunday about sitting in the conference down there, and that guy that was up talking, I didn't like him. And, I, and, 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 I, and just yet, I was just sitting there thinking, this cat, I don't like this cat. He's talking about things I don't like him talking about. He's making accusations I don't like him making. And some things he was right, but it just, he, just, he, just went, he just went all over me. And that first impression just didn't hit me right. But the more I listened to him, the more he talked, the more I, God got a hold of me, got to stirring me up, got to crying, got to sniffling, I said, this old, this old boy knows exactly what he's talking about. But you, I, I, And I begin to see his heart. I begin to look in. And so that genuine faith exhibits itself in an unconditional love. My attitude wasn't where it, wasn't where it needed to be. You understand? So I didn't give him the chance that, that I needed to give him. And so it's easy to love believers in heaven. It's going to be easy to love people, people in heaven because they don't have that capacity of sin, right? And so it's much more difficult to love people on earth because they do have that capacity to sin. They do have that capacity to get on your nerves. They do have that capacity to mess with you. They do have that capacity not to always say the right thing. So it's harder for us to love in that situation. So Paul was thankful for their faith. He was thankful for their for their, for their love. Not only that, but he was thankful for their hope in heaven, that they had a hope in heaven. Hope here, this last part of these three that I was talking about. Verse 5 says, Because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth or the gospel. The word of truth or the gospel. Faith and love spring from a hope. Faith and love spring from this, this confidence in what God is going to do in the future. He, had, he may not have done it yet, Sister Pat, but he's told me he's going to do it. So my faith in him is going to grow because, based upon what he has said. Not because what he's done, because what he said he's going to do. Right? The little woman with the issue of blood, she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. What'd she say? If I can just touch it, I know I'll be made whole. Right? She had not touched it yet, but she is proclaiming it. By faith, she believing. If I can press through the crowd, if I can just get a hold of him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know... I'm going to be made whole. I know I'm going to be made whole. So why have faith in Christ if there is no hope for a glorious future? You and I were sitting here tonight, and every one of us probably agree and, and believe the same thing, that, that we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back after the church, right? We believe that. We believe that it could be any day. I do. I believe it can be any day. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm looking for it, and I'm trying to work, Brother Mike, as if it's going to happen in the next near, near, near future. I don't know when it's going to happen, but God let me be ready. And so God hadn't come down audibly and told me with his voice that, hey, I'm coming after you. You better be ready. But he's told me in his word. Right? It's just it's just as good as good of him coming and speaking to my to my face. So my faith in him has to has to believe. Now, Pastor, hadn't you been saying that all your life? Yeah, I have. Why? Because I've heard it all my life. Some of you older than I am, you've been hearing it a lot longer than I have. But it doesn't mean that you've lost believing in that doesn't mean that you've lost your faith in that doesn't mean that you've lost an assurance knowing that jesus is coming after his church amen and i believe it's going to be soon and so faith springs from this confidence this from a hope that god is what he's going to do in the future faith rests on the past you understand you can't learn things from your past you can gain insight from your past because what god has done for you back then has God ever blessed anybody in here tonight in the past? Has God ever performed a miracle in your life in the past? Has God ever showed up when, when you didn't think he was going to show up in the past? Has God ever 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 done some things in your life where you didn't think there's no way possible, but God showed up? Amen. Every one of us had. And so we learn from that. I tell some of the new beginnings, folks, when they're in there, I have this, I have this little form that uh, the things you can be thankful for. And there's a, there's a little column about things I'm thankful for. There's a, there's a section about putting the date in there. And I said, the reason that we can, you can do this, if God has blessed you with something, write it down and date it. Because the old enemy is going to come by and by in your ear and say, hey, God ain't never touched you with none of that. And you can go back to the piece of paper and say, hey, but devil, what about this one? I've got it dated here, March 5th, 1965, where God come in and he healed me of this and he blessed me of this. And 1975 or God, and you remind the enemy, God has has blessed you. And it allows your faith to grow. It allows your faith to blossom, amen. So hope sees the mysteries of God. We may not say it, but hope, hope sees the mysteries of God. Faith makes them ours. And love gives them to others of what God has blessed us with we give out. We're a conduit that God has blessed us with. Amen? A conduit. Why, why, why have faith? Why have faith in Christ if there's no hope for a future? Why do we have faith in Christ if we don't believe there's a future? Why love others if it doesn't matter in the end? Why love others when it when it you know, some folks say it doesn't matter in the end? Hope makes all the difference because we've got a confidence, a confident expectation that everything God says in his word is true. Everything. I don't know about you, but I believe it this way, Brother Adam. If if, if if, there's just one chapter in here that's not true, you might as well throw the rest of it away. All of it is true. All of it is true. God's word is true. And Paul, when he learned about the Colossians, he learned about these These folks, heaven was real to them. They believed in heaven. They believed in heaven. They knew that this world was not their home. And this world's not our home either. It's not our home. You may may have stocks and bonds, and you may have big bank accounts, and you may put your hope in this political election, and you may put your hope in this, and you may put your hope in that. But I will to tell you something, this world is not our home. Nothing wrong with any of that. But don't settle for this, all right? God's preparing a place for you and I. He's preparing the place. And so uh, uh, they, they, they believed in heaven. They knew that, that heaven was their home. They longed for, they lived for heaven when Paul when Paul learned about this church. They were laying up their treasures in heaven, not on earth. And so the hope of people today is that the hope that they'll win the lottery or, or hope they'll get involved in this or they'll hope they'll strike it rich. And many people that I've saw and you have too, they have no hope. And when you run out of hope, you're in a dangerous situation. You gotta have hope. Without it, we end up like, like a ship just, just tossed to and fro without any anchor whatsoever. we got to have hope. And our hope, Christian hope, is not well-wishing. It's an assured faith that we have in Christ. Amen. So he was thankful for the hope that they had in heaven. The other thing Paul talked about, that he was thankful uh, for this church, they were thankful for the gospel. Thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thankful for the faith. Thankful for the love. Thankful for the hope of Colossians, but how did they receive it? They received it from the Word of God. They got this from the Word of God. The Word is important. The Word should be important to you and I. The Word needs to be important to you and I. I can't stress enough to you, church, how important the Word ought to be in our life. We ought to eat it. It ought to be sugar and honeycomb and and all that kind of stuff to our digestive, our spiritual digestive system. We need to eat it up. Because the word can take us to where the shout won't take us. Hello, I believe in the shout. But the word will take us where the shout won't. We've got to have the word. How'd they receive it from the word, from the gospel? He was grateful for that. The gospel that we know is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look at the verse number five, the last part of this verse. It helps us to see that our hope is based solidly, solidly on the word of God, or the gospel in other words, as it's come to us. Gospel just simply means the good news. We've got good news to share. You've received the good news before. The gospel is to be shared with others because of the word of truth. Amen. The gospel is to be shared. There's no other truth that will bring eternal salvation to people other than the truth of the gospel, It's the truth of the gospel. People are saved because somebody shared the gospel with them. People are touched because somebody shared the good news with them. People are set free because somebody went out of their way and shared the Lord Jesus Christ and what he'd done on the cross of Calvary for them. So we need to be thankful for the gospel. Another thing Paul mentioned here in verse number 6, he, I, I'm not only thankful for the, for the gospel, but I'm thankful in your growth. You're growing. You're growing. It's one thing to be saved. That's a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. But if we ain't growing, we got a problem. If we're not increasing in our faith, we got issues. If we're not growing in our responsibility as far as Christ is concerned, we got problems. He was thankful for their growth. Verse 6 says the gospel is bearing fruit. When you bear fruit, it's growth, right? Paul said, I'm, I'm thankful because this gospel, this word of God that you've been listening to and you've been digesting, it's, it's bearing fruit and it's growing in you. Just as it's been doing among you since the day that you heard it. It's been doing it since the day that you heard it thinking about the scripture and i thought about and and we all probably have been there before i don't i don't think i've ever done quite like this that some people we all how many let me just ask a question, how many ever been on a diet before raise your hand if you're if you're now some of y'all are blessed with just thinness and god just bless you but anyway some of us we ain't blessed with thinness we have to work hard looking like this <laughs> but i've i've had people before where where they'll take pictures of before you know they'll You know, and then they'll take pictures of their after look and how they look afterwards after they've lost all this weight. You know, you saw some of those pictures before, the before and the after look. Paul said, I'm thankful because you're growing. I wonder what the church looked like when they first heard. What did your life look like when you first heard of the gospel? Think about, think about you, where you come from. What did you look like? What did you smell like? What, what thoughts was going through your head? Where, where just, what kind of lifestyle was you coming from? And look at you now. Look how God has touched you. Look how God has blessed you. Look how God has strengthened you. He was thankful for their growth. This wording here indicates to us in the Greek that they had a they had an energy in their growing. We're growing. We're we're striving to do what we need what we need to do. We're striving to grow. We're striving to do the right thing. It was built into their hope. It was built into their message. This gospel is alive. It's growing. It's bearing fruit. It's spreading more and more every day. Why do you think some 2,000 plus years that we're still talking about Jesus the things that he done and what he meant to us? Amen. Romans 1 and 16 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, into the Gentile, not ashamed of the gospel. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel, do we? We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> matter of fact, I was trying to make a funny yesterday in First Baptist Church but nobody laughed at me. When they told me to take off my shoes and I was going out in that hallway, there's three or four other people who had their shoes off, and I said, hallelujah, we're going to have a foot washing service. Nobody said nothing. They just looked at me like, who are you? I just sat down, I didn't say no more about it. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God It brings salvation. The gospel is that power of God. Y'all know that that we get that word power from dunamis, the the dynamite, if you will. Dynamite power of God. Dynamite power of God. This gospel message is dynamite, the the, the good news that we're able to share, to break through. Why why does it have to be dynamite power, Pastor? Because sometimes there's some hearts that's hard to break through. And we need the power of Almighty God to break through those hearts. Sometimes that old shell is hard and it's tough, and we need the power of God to break through, allow them to grow. So if you and I don't grow in the Word, we will not be constantly growing or ripening or bearing the fruit that that we need to bear. And if you're not experiencing fruit, you're not growing. If you don't hear nothing else I said tonight, then get that. Don't you think about your life. If you are not experiencing fruit, you're not growing. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not growing. Um, and I guarantee you, we can blame whoever we want to, but there's nothing wrong with the power source. The power source is still there, right? It's God. The power source had not changed. We've just got to tap in, tap into who he is. Grow, increase, if you will. Progress. Moving forward, process, growth, spiritual growth ought to be normal to you and I. Now there's times, actually all the time, spiritual growth sometimes is is hard. Spiritual growth is stretching you at times. But it's all right. We need to be stretched from time to time. Spiritual growth needs to allow us to get out of our comfort shell and get out here somewhere where the unknown, That our faith level has to grow. It It enables our faith to grow a little bit. And so it's okay for us to do that. The gospel brings grace, and it brings truth. The last part of verse 6, it said they, they understood. Or in other words, they knew the grace of God. They knew it in truth. They knew this in truth. Let me, let me finish here by saying this. Not only was he thankful for that, about their growth, but he was thankful for, for that person that shared with him. He was thankful for the individual that come and just shared with him the gospel. Verse 7 he expresses the gratefulness for Epaphras and his work. That he had done with the Colossians church. Just as you've learned it from Epaphras. Our beloved fellow bondservant. Who, who was a faithful servant of Christ. And he'd done this on our behalf. Working with Paul. Side by side. On our behalf. He was a dear fellow servant Paul said. He was a faithful minister of Christ. He faithfully took the message of grace to Colossians. And the result. Paul could understand. He could see. He could listen to. He understood. What, what, this, what this man of God did. He evangelized that city. He edified the believers through his teaching. He was faithful in spreading the seed of the gospel, hoping and praying that it would take root and just continue to grow, and it did grow. They did bear fruit. They were excited. They were energized on their faith, this newfound faith that they had in Jesus Christ. Verse 8 told us, that he informed us that the, that the, that the love of the Holy Spirit was, was flowing. Everybody say flowing was flowing in them. He said he also declared to us of your love in the Spirit. It was flowing in them. In other words, that, that, that excitement, that energized excitement that they had because of the love of Christ. Now, I, I don't mean to get on to anybody, but listen in the American churches here. Some, sometimes we're really bad. We are, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm right along with you here. I'm talking about all of us. Sometimes we're bad about coming to church how many, uh, never mind that, we're bad about coming to church and we'll just sit on our pew and we never fellowship. We never take the time to go around and shake somebody's hand. We never take the time to go and, 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 and just, just, just fellowship with somebody. Let me, ask you, let me ask you something. Why do we do that? Nobody has to answer, but I just want to ask you, why do we do that? If we're experiencing the love of God, the faith of God, and the hope of God, does not not that give us reason to fellowship with one another, right? Our enthusiasm level, our excitement level ought to be when we come to the house of God, I don't know what God is going to do, but God is going to do something in me. Hello? See, some of y'all would help yourself if you just sang sang, sang a little bit to yourself. Hello, Sister Katie. God bless your heart today. Now, don't do all that, probably. No. But it would help. No. I just wonder what would what would happen, what would take place in our church Sunday morning if every one of us would come in here and start shaking hands. How you doing today? I don't know what God's gonna do, but I didn't believe God's gonna show up and do something in my life today. How about you? And not only, if you ain't got faith to, in yourself, I'll have enough faith for the both of us. Amen. Hello? Now that's silly. I understand. I get that. I get it. But I just wonder. I just wonder. What, what would what would God do? Do you think God would have an open door? And, and you really? I mean, I'm not talking about you just you you playing. I'm talking about you really mean it. I wonder if God says, "Hey, they're doing something a little different down there. They're they're really expecting me to show up in their service. Why can't we do that? And if we have the love of God and the faith of God and the hope of God in our life," Why can't we just, instead of coming in and we just, we just sit down on our pew and we just wait for somebody to come shake our hand? How you doing? How you doing? Now, now we, we can laugh about it all day long, but you know it's the truth. You know it's the truth. Let me tell you what I want as your pastor. Let's see if you'll listen to me. I, I would I would like for a Sunday morning, actually every Sunday morning, that you don't pay no attention to the countdown. You don't pay no attention to the people that's getting on the stage. You don't pay no attention to nothing going on as at, right when we get ready to start serving. You're just going around, and you're fellowshipping, and you're loving one another, and you're hugging one another, and you're just blessing one another, and you've got faith growing in you, and you've got excitement growing in you, and all of a sudden you hear the first note on that keyboard, and you just start worshiping at that moment. I've got eight more minutes. Now listen to me. Sometimes we have to wait to the third song to get us worshipers worshiping. And why? Because it takes a musician's three-song pastor to get lined out. Maybe so, but what's your problem? <laughs> what's my problem? What's our problem? Paul said this guy, this, this fellow servant, this faithful minister, he was a dear servant, he was a faithful guy, he went in and he energized that group of people, he motivated that group of people, he motivated them, and in verse eight, verse eight, it said that they were, they were flowing in the Holy Spirit, they were flowing in the Holy Spirit, Colossians church here was known, was known for its love, was known for its love, was known for its love. Um, I hope I'm not too premature here, but we're living in it. We're living in a different age of, ha- of when you and I grew up. I know y'all know that, but we're living in a different age. And the way we do church, the way we look at church, the way we anticipate church anymore is not going to work the same way that it did when we when we grew up. I'm not saying every take everything out. That's not what I'm talking about can't take out faith you can't take out love you can't take out the flow of the spirit you can't take out allowing god to be open and free to do what he wants to do y'all you're following me right those basic core principles we have and we must keep in order to keep a church alive right but how the church looks songs that the church sings styles maybe that churches go through all the time some of those things have to change for the next generation or millennials or whoever they may be Coming up, if we're going to pass on, I said a little bit about this Sunday. If we're going to pass on to the next generation, since yet you know, we've got to allow ourselves to do some things that may be outside of our comfort zone. We have to, we must, if we're going to keep a, a church alive. I don't know about you, Dad. Pastored here for for 28 years. This is my 10th year. I don't know how long God's going to God's going to keep us going, but however long it's, I want I want the church to keep going. Whether I'm here, whether you're here. Whatever the church must not die, and so the church must change some things of how it's doing some things style. However you want to however you want to label it, in order to attract how millennials or how people are seeing seeing you and I, and I'm and I'm the world's worst. I you know I'll, I'll preach to myself. I'm the world's worst about tradition. I'm the world's worst about some things that's sort of hard for me to let go of because I just like them. I enjoy them. Pastor Kevin Wallace was down there talking a little bit. Dwayne, remember this? He was out there talking about generational synergy, and he talked about, about uh, uh, young couples and millennials coming to their church, and they, have to, they get up there, and they have the lights, and they have the smoke, and they have these, these songs that, are, that is just praising God and worshiping God, but it's different than amazing grace. But Kevin said, that's how I was brought up. I, I love that kind of stuff. So he said, I get my worship leader, and he gets up there, and he's all hip. He got the long... Sh- long shirt tails on and and, and all this kind of stuff and he's up there hooping and hollering and jumping people's having a a time they're worshiping God songs that they've sung even when we were there that was their worship team that was phenomenal you you just you, you was in the presence of God but Kevin said many many times on Sundays he said after he gets through I'll get up and I'll open up with amazing grace right before I preach or the blood of Jesus he said I'll sing an old song like that and my worship leader can't stand it because he's not used to that But his point was, I've got to still somehow bridge the gap with the older folk and the younger folk to keep a church alive. To keep, listen to me, church, and I know some of y'all don't know this, but even in our state of Arkansas, in the Church of God in Arkansas, if we don't do something in the churches in Arkansas, there's going to be, Dwayne, am am I I overstating this, that probably 50% of them is going to die over the next few years if we don't do something? Think about that. Over 50% of the churches is dying, are going to die because they refuse to move from where they were 30 and 40 years ago. I don't mean that to be a bad thing. Just trying to help us here. But Pathway, our church, Paul said this guy, Epaphras here, he was faithful, he was energizing. He'd come in and he he got the church and the townspeople of that day excited for the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, We've got to get out of our box. We've got to get out of our comfort zone, so to speak, at times, in order to, to, to evangelize this this, this lost this last generation. These, these young people that's coming up. We've got to have some way of doing that. And Paul mentions it here. He said the kind of love, mentions here, is this agape love. They're not going to look like you, but you've got to love them. Let me ask you a question. Nobody answered this. How would you feel Sunday morning? If you come to church, and we had hired a brand new worship leader, this guy gets up, and he has a mohawk, and he has an earring in his ear, and he gets up there in these skinny jeans. Skinny jeans is of the devil. They are. Be quiet, Marilyn. Just be quiet. Quit quit prophesying here. Got these skinny jeans on and these Brogan boots that's not tied up and he's up there going to lead worship how would you would you worship with him (laughs) now maryland's only one answer you don't have to answer i just want you to think about it just want you to think about it would we worship if we knew if we knew that his heart is in the right his heart's in the right place he's full he's he's dedicated to god he just don't look like you he don't have that three-piece suit on He's not, he's not clean-cut in that sense that we would think clean-cut is. But could we as a church worship this guy that's leading us into, into worship? We, you know, we've, we've got it because, because I'm not saying we had not hired no anybody, anybody like that for Sunday. But anyway, I just thought it would be interesting sometime just to bring somebody in like that. That would be sort of a science project, I guess, in the church. <laughs> How would we respond to that within the body? But are we, see, individuals and millennials that's coming in and we want to come into our church, they're not going to have the same thought process that we have. And Paul here, what I, what I got out of this when I read this, that Paul mentions here, he said this, this is a kind of love, this, this agape love, and it's the same love that Jesus declares and that will set apart his disciples. Peter had a problem one time, right? Did he not? He went into some Gentile houses. He had some big issues that arose. He wasn't supposed to do that. But he did it anyway. He stepped outside the box, going to evangelize and disciple and try to get salvation to this group of Gentiles because of, you know, Jesus died for all of us, right? But the people of that day, the, the, the religious people of that day, they didn't like it. And he had some issues with that. So the world sometimes has this flawed view of love. As long as you love me, I'll love you, they say. As long as you do not act unloving to me, I will love you. As long as I do not decide to to love somebody else, then I'll love you too. But agape love says I'm going to love you because Christ loved us. And I leave you with this. And knowing all of this, if God has has saved us and delivered us and faith is working in us and, and hope is working in us and love is working in us, then God is calling us to action. Everybody say action. Everybody knows what action means, right? It's to do something. To do something. Do something. We've got to do something. He's calling us for action. Why? Why does he want us to act? Because he wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stagnate. He doesn't want us, to, he doesn't want us just to uh, shrivel up. He wants us to continue to grow. That's what the church of the living God ought to be. It ought to be a body of believers known for our great faith, known for our great love, and known for our great hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope we got to learn to be thankful for what God has blessed us with each and every opportunity that we get. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, God, for your touch upon our life tonight. We thank you, God, that you first loved us. We thank you, Lord, and and we give you praise for the salvation that you have placed in our heart today. We don't take it for granted, God. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the price that you paid on the cross of Calvary. I don't want to ever take it for granted. God, every day of my life, let me give you thanks. Let me give you praise, Lord. When I'm thankful to you, it, you 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 respond to those things. God, let, don't let me be don't let me be prideful, don't let me be ungrateful, but let me always love you, and let the faith continue to grow in us. Let our let our hope in you grow. Let our love in you grow each and every day. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.